If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's going on, man? How you doing, Tommy? I'm doing very good. How are you? Good, buddy. Uh, I'm trying to get these these little uh, I don't know what you call them, but they're at the bottom of my screen. Let me see how I get rid of them. What? Uh, stop. Okay, I think I'm fine. Okay. Cool. All right, man. Hey, well, thank you very much for doing this, man. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to do this. Absolutely, no problem. So what's going on out there? Or hey, or how, let's see, how are we gonna? Because you you wish to remain anonymous, right? Well, no, you, I, you could say my name, James Lucero. I'm okay, just, okay. Just I just can't tell you. I I'm what? with the Denver Police Department, but in your podcast, when you edit, you got to edit that part out. You can okay. just say I'm with a just say police you're... department. Colorado. Okay, so, so so I'm I'm gonna slice it, and I mean I can go in and edit out anything, but to make it easier, I'm just gonna cut it out right. I'm gonna cut everything up to right here, and oh, good. let's just let's just have you introduce yourself. So, I'll I'll edit out from right here. All right, man. So why don't you just uh why don't you introduce yourself and um yeah, say what you do and uh let's let's get talking and 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 see where this conversation goes. Okay. Yeah, my name is James Lucero. I'm uh, currently I'm a sergeant uh, with the police department, major police department here in uh, the Denver area, Colorado. Been a uh, police officer for 21 years now. All right. Um, so I got a lot of questions, but I kind of just want to jump into it. What's uh, what's the craziest thing you've seen? What's <laughs> I mean, you know, like, we get that question quite a bit. Yeah, we got we got different tiers of crazy. We can go. So just the other day, I had on a member of the uh, Israeli Special Forces, and I had yeah. uh, I had different questions. I was like, "What's the craziest? What's the darkest? What's the funniest?" Because he, had, when I asked him, "What's the craziest?" He was like, "I have different tiers of like crazy." And so I was like, "All right, so I don't, so what's um? I guess we'll start with just what's what sticks out in your mind as just like I don't well, know, yeah." Uh, he's right. There are different tiers of crazy, without a doubt. <clears throat> one of uh, one that sticks out. It wasn't like exceptionally scary or fearful or anything like that, but it was just a weird situation. Is uh, I was on routine patrol. This is uh, when I was patrolling uh, southwest uh, neighborhood, and uh, 
I got a call about a guy just sitting in a parking lot in a vehicle. Okay. So uh, I was by myself. It didn't sound like it was anything uh, too concerning. So I just told him, I, I told dispatch I'd advise on cover, sure. meaning I'll let you know if I need cover. So I rolled up on the guy. Sure enough, there's a guy parked on a Sunday afternoon in front of a liquor store. At the time, liquor stores were not allowed to operate on Sunday. So okay. they're just sitting out there in a vehicle in front of the liquor store. Nobody's there, totally empty parking lot. So I go up to him, uh, knock on the, the door, let him know I'm there. I say, hey, everything all right? He said, yeah, it's fine. I said, okay, well, liquor store is closed and you're kind of just sitting here not doing a whole lot. And he says, uh, yeah, I know. And I noticed something on the, the door of the driver's side where I'm talking to him at. Okay. And it looks like kind of somebody spilled like a chocolate milkshake down the side of the, uh, the door. Okay. Windows rolled down whatever so i'm like all right well this is kind of weird and this guy's answers aren't really adding up so let me get him out of the vehicle okay right? <clears throat> so i get him out of the vehicle and what had happened this guy had been he, he was one of these guys that normally could like what you call for a while a functional alcoholic okay he could handle his alcohol for weeks maybe months at a time but then when he he loses it he goes on a bender okay this guy had gone on such a bender that he was waiting for the liquor store to open the next morning because I guess he was running low on liquor. Uh -huh. He's sitting there and he drank so much that he won't even get out to use the bathroom. He was he was using the bathroom in his pants oh. and then hanging hanging his ass out the uh, the window of the SUV and just shitting down the oh side of the door. Oh my god! Yes, it was brutal. Oh I'm my going, god! So I get him out of the vehicle, and that's when I noticed that he's crapped his pants. It looks like there's like a week, a week's worth of crap in oh, his pants. Oh, God. And then, not only that, but the guy has the nerve to tell me, Officer, you're really making a big deal over nothing. And I said, Sir, with all due respect, I'm talking to you right now, and you have a turd hanging out the bottom of your pant legs. I said, Do you think that's normal? So, uh, so not, long story short, as far as, uh, some medical to respond because he obviously has some medical yeah. uh, you know health issues they responded they took him away and he got evaluated and cleaned up and that sort of thing at least for a couple of days anyway but yeah <laughs> it's just i mean the way that alcohol and drugs can take such a grip on certain people yes. that they forget about everything else yes. they forget about their kids they forget about their homes they forget about their families their jobs and they they devote all their time to whatever that drug is whatever that form of escapism is to the whether it be alcohol or meth or heroin yeah it's, it's just unbelievable it's, it's pretty sad how people just lose everything and become a slave to that it substance. Is. It is. It's. It's. I mean, I think it really. It's. It's so overused, but it really is true. Is it's a demon. Yeah, it, absolutely. Because what? What else? What other? <clears throat> if you were to anthropomorphize uh, a substance or um, a phenomena, I mean, what? What is more of a demon than this thing that costs you money, costs you your job? cost you the love and respect and potentially contact with with your family and friends and employer um can it robs you of all of this and it doesn't give anything in return it's, and then you still do it yes and still do it yeah. and it's and if you don't do it 
you feel worse than you've ever felt in your life. It, it sucks. Okay. I mean, it is, it really, and, you know, I mean, I can understand the argument against that term. Don't call it a demon because that, that kind of takes away the responsibility. But I mean, at a certain point, it, it is, like you said, it's, you know, unless you're unless you're mentally ill, and I don't say that in like trying to be funny. I mean, unless you're mentally ill, like what else leads you to sitting in a car in a parking lot on a Sunday, covered in your own excrement? Right. You know, it's exactly. it's it is it's 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 sad. It's but then you know, devil's advocate. It for every person like that, you have a thousand that can handle their alcohol just fine. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. fully agree. Thank goodness there are those people that can yes. handle it. As a matter of fact, the, the uh, explanation or the story I just gave you, uh, that's an example of somebody, in my opinion, because when I deal with people day in and day out, that's what this business is, yes. police work. It's the business of dealing with people, trying to resolve their problems, help them resolve their problems. Uh, I try to drill down to like the root causes of what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Whenever I run into somebody that's uh, under the power of, of like a substance to that degree, it's usually some sort of an escapism for them. Yes. For instance, I'll give you another example. I used to, I worked a brutal, uh, terrible six month assignment in vice narcotics, right? Oh God. And it sounds like it'd be all right because it's detective work and whatnot, but for me it wasn't. Because number one, because Mostly it was it was vice stuff. When you're new at vice narcotics, you do mostly all vice stuff. Okay. And then if you prove yourself there, when an opening comes up in narcotics, they'll let you go over to narcotics. Okay. Number one, I believe that most drugs should be legalized and regulated. Yeah. So that's one problem I had with it. Yeah. <laughs> Two, in vice, what were we doing 90% of the time? We were picking up street prostitutes, okay? Yeah. Street prostitutes... Here's the issue with that. A lot of times, because I would interview these street prostitutes after we'd make the arrest, what you would learn is this. 95% of them were sexually abused, yeah. severe, as young little girls. Yeah. Right? By, by fathers, brothers, neighbors, uncles, whatever the case might be, right? So they're dealing with these demons from childhood all through their adolescent years. These horrible memories are replaying in their head over and over and over. They're looking for a way to escape. So they get old enough, they start drinking, they start using drugs, things of that nature. Why? Because they're trying to escape these horrible memories from when they were little kids, right? Some people uh, can cope with it and find other positive coping uh, mechanisms. Some people don't, they resort to drugs and alcohol, right? So the issue with, uh, with doing vice is that we're we're further victimizing victims yes. children at one time, yeah. right? Yeah. The Johns, they typically don't get caught a lot of times. Yeah. So they're on their merry way, or they just have normal life lives, so a little ticket to them ain't nothing. Yeah. But these females were arresting him and putting him in jail and, and were causing more grief in their life when all they're trying to do is cope with the horrible thing that happened to them yeah. that they have no control over when they're kids. Yeah. It just yeah. didn't add up for me, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it it, it, it makes sense. I'm, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think, I think the vast majority of, of drugs and really activity should be, should be legal. Because the way I look at it is, look, like, if it's like, if you, if you just, if you try to take away the second amendment, you're not getting rid of guns. They're just going underground and they're and they're unregulated. 
you try to get rid of abortion, they're not going away. They're going to alleys with hangers or they're going to black market clinics. Uh, you try to get, I mean, I went to private Catholic school for 12 years. All right. It's we got something in common. Yeah. 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 Dr drilled into us when we were little. But what's, I mean, what's the one thing they, you know, abstinence, abstinence, abstinence. Now, I was a loser. I, I I couldn't get laid, but you know, all my all my friends, it was there was no, it obviously no one's gonna follow abstinence, and it was just, but there was it wasn't like abstinence, but you know whatever you want, however they could word it, you know if you slip up in the eyes of the Lord, here's what you should do. There was just no, there was just none. There was no wear condoms. There was no use contraceptives. There was no pull out. There was no here's when you should and shouldn't have sex on you know on on your period. It's it was just don't do it, and because of that, it it still happened all the time, and there were pregnancies, and it was like. So I think if you just try to do this, this authoritarian, almost for lack of a better way to phrase it, North Korean approach of just total <laughs> top-down suppression, it just bubbles up, but in worse and worse ways. It's Absolutely. it's now obviously I don't have experience with this you do but it it's it's like drugs and alcohol or like you're gonna get it you know I I probably drank more between the ages of eighteen and twenty one than I have from twenty one to twenty nine it's you're gonna get it same with marijuana it's it, I feel like you're just you're you're putting it in the not only are you making it unregulated and it's more dangerous and you're turning criminals out of otherwise decent normal people, you know. Right. You might I don't I don't do anything anymore, but you know maybe instead I like to have a beer on a Friday or smoke a joint, you know maybe Bob over there likes to do an eight ball. But if he's in his apartment Friday night and he's just doing an eight ball and jacking off, like who cares, you know? He goes back to work on Monday and he's a he's a wonderful you know he's a brilliant whatever. He manages a massive construction company. Like, who cares? But now you're now you're taking that guy and you're saying you're a criminal, and he's not going to stop. He's going to exercise his own, you know, free will to do what he wants. I'm going on a rant. I'm not letting you talk. What? How oh, do you? Fine, how, how do you think? How do you think this should be approached with legalization? Because you're in Colorado. You've seen the legalization of pot. How, how is that? How has that affected what you've seen? It. Uh... If you look at what some of the studies show, as well, what all of the studies show, there's been a couple of major studies. Uh, adolescent use has actually declined. And I think it's because of kind of something you touched on just now. Uh, you know, th there was a more authoritarian approach to, to pot use prior. <clears throat> now there's not. Yeah. Now it is somewhat legal is not the exact correct word. It's more regulated. Yeah. It's tax regulated. So because it's taxed and regulated, uh, it's easier to get. You would think use would go up. Well, that's not ha what happened at all. It actually went down. Not to mention the current model we've been using for, for many decades in this country. The fact is it's unsustainable. Mm -hmm. It's flat out unsustainable. Unless you and I want to see our tax revenue rise. In other words, we're going to be paying more in taxes. Why? To build more prisons, to pull more people in prison. You've, I'm sure it sounds like you're, you you kind of know what you're talking about. I, you, you've probably heard that uh, statistic where uh, we lead the world in prison population. Yes, so, incarceration. Yes, yeah, I mean that that's outrageous. Here we are, we are uh, you know we, we base our existence of this country on freedom. Yes, 
Yes. But we're putting people in prison more than any other country on earth. Russia, China, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. communist countries, yes. exactly. Yes. What it, kind of sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, the, these are the, the people that are going to prison for using drugs. Uh, these are nonviolent offenders we're talking about. Like you described, that was a great description. Some guy is using drugs on a weekend in his house, not bothering anybody. Listen, we already legalize it, right? As long as Big Pharma is giving out the dope. Yeah, yeah. They're allowed to do that, yeah. right? But Big Pharma doesn't like a lot of uh, competition. Yeah. So they give the marching orders to the politicians, and create these laws. Yep. The politicians give the marching orders to the, to the police department, say, enforce these laws. Yes, yes. It's not sustainable to put everybody in prison yeah. for using drugs. A lot of times, like I mentioned, getting back to when I drill down to root causes, people are trying to escape something. Yes. They got some painful experience from their youth or from their past. They're trying to escape. Therefore, a lot of times, they're trying to escape that. Yeah. So that's why they're using. Yeah. And and it, I feel like if there was if there was education on it, like you would you might still do it. But, you know, like without with alcohol, it's like there's it's it's drilled into everyone like, hey, these, your motor skills are going to be inhibited and, and, and decreased in efficacy. Uh, so you shouldn't drive um, girls uh, watch out because, you know, you might be uh, there. Uh, you know, males might act as predators. So, you know, be aware of that, you know, have a buddy system sure. text. Hey, I'm going to be home at the, whatever, um, uh, you know. Be, you know, if your friend is too drunk. Put, put them on their side because they could vomit and they could they could aspirate their vomit and they could die. Um, and for and, and you know, we, there's still tons of deaths from alcohol, but we have no idea of just how bad it could be if it was just this, you know, this demon drink that you could get on the week or you know, like prohibition, you could just get. There's so many things that I feel like. I mean, I feel like you don't really need any of those for weed because weed, you smoke too much weed, you just fall asleep, you know, but it's, <laughs> but it's, but for other drugs, I feel like it, they could be done and it could be so much safer, you know, if it was not only regulated and you knew the source and you didn't know, Hey, am I, so let's say it's a Friday night and you and your friends are only smoke a joint. Let's say you, you know, let's say it's legalized and Hey, we, we want to go try, um, whatever this opioid. It's, it would be regulated, it would, you would know the exact dose, and it would be drilled into you from when you're little, just like, you know, don't drink and drive. It'd be like, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, do not take more than this. If this does happen, you're going to want to call this. And also, you don't need to worry about it being fucking laced with fentanyl, you know? You know, when I'm drinking alcohol, I don't have a beer, and I'm not worried that, well, it doesn't really work with alcohol because you would taste it, but let's just say there was a tasteless alcohol... I'm not worried about, you know, drinking Budweiser 1, Budweiser 2, and then my third one is laced with grain alcohol. And I drink it and I'm, you know, or I or I shotgun two of them at a football tailgate and then I'm dead. And everyone's like, oh my God, how are we going to stop this epidemic? And it's like, we probably could in a much easier way than just a multi-trillion dollar war on drugs, which everything you touched on, it's not even to mention the guys like you have to enforce it. And then every right. once in a while, you don't have a nonviolent offender. You have someone that says, I'm not fucking going back. Or it's just, you know, machismo, I don't take shit. And you get a bullet through the head at a traffic stop. And sure. it's, and 
and again, I'm ranting, but I, so I had on a, a guy last week, uh, Dominic Milton Trot. He's a he's a British guy, thickest British accent I've ever heard in my life. But he he's the author of uh, the Drug Users Bible, and one thing we talked about was big pharma does not like competition. But the thing is, is like the the, the legalization of drugs. This doesn't have to be the the end of big pharma, like, or you know, of any company, like we we're saying Bud Light. You have Bud in the name, Budweiser. You guys sure. have all these canning facilities. You have your shipping infrastructure. You have your advertisement conglomerate. You have your relations with all these stores. Why can't you just start selling pre-rolled joints? Like you can still sure. make money. It can still be the capitalist utopia. You, there can still be billions of dollars. And instead of, you know, Super Bowl halftime, you know, Corona, find your beach. It could be whatever, you know. And so it's, it seems like they can still make their money. They can still get, you know, it's it's a bad system. But the thing is, is, like, we can still play the game. You can still give your marching orders to politicians and be corrupt as fuck. Like, you can still make a lot of money. You could probably make more money. Like, sure. I, I think that's the thing is they have to know that, like, you guys can still line your pockets. Yeah, it's right. I'm, 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 I'm getting amped up. I'm going off. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so how, how would you see how would how let's say you're, you're put in charge? James and Sarah, you're appointed, you're appointed drug czar of America. Just call comes in from the president. You're in charge now. How do you approach this right now? You have sweeping powers. Well, uh, first of all, let me say, Tommy, I'm a lot older than you. Yes. I'm 49 years old. How old, how old are you? 29. It won't even happen in your lifetime. It probably. won't. It won't. It won't. But, <laughs> but, but, yeah, given your scenario, uh, everything would be taxed and regulated. That way we still have a tax base coming in. The re And the reason for that is not because I'm like this tax hawk type guy. We need to prepare for when... Uh, a couple of things for when people develop addictions yes. so that we can put some money aside so that they can get, get the help they need to get off. So they avoid prison and it, this treatment costs us less money in the end mm -hmm. than putting them in prison more. Mm -hmm. In prison, people cost a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the, uh, there was another stat that I was reading that was just outrageous on, uh, on the, the prison population exploding. It was from 1985 to 2005, right? 20 year span. The, the basic population in the United States grew by 25%, right? Okay. Again, 1985 to 05, 25% growth rate in population in the USA. Okay. You know how, how much the uh, prison population exploded then? 50. 100%. Jesus A Christ. 100%. It freaking doubled, doubled in that 20 year span. And I remember that too, because I remember where I was at, they were building a ton of prisons at the time here in Colorado. And no wonder. So when I read this stat, here we are 30 years later, I read this stat. Well, now it all makes sense. Yeah. And we, no wonder it exploded. Anyway, that was also the time of the war on drugs, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And it began. It's still going on to this day, as you yes. mentioned earlier. Yeah really really ramped up and began in the early 80s and uh we were putting everybody in prison well that needs to stop like i mentioned earlier <clears throat> it's just flat out unsustainable and nobody likes paying more in taxes myself included majority of americans included 
uh, it's just not fair because who do they tax? They tax the middle class guys. Super wealthy don't pay taxes. Yeah. Super broke don't pay taxes. Yeah. It's middle class, what's left of the middle class here in America that pays all the taxes. Yeah. So we the brunt of it. Uh, so so the changes I would make is is the majority of all drugs, I can't even think of one at this particular time that I want, instead of making it flat out illegal, tax and regulate. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we've done here in Colorado with the marijuana industry, just like it's been done for uh, decades with uh, alcohol. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And it's, it's a double, it's, there's, there's a, the amount of, the amount of revenue the country would, and like you said, it's not some like, you know, we can tax, tax, tax. Because no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not, I'm not about that. But the reality is, is so we're already spending all this money on drug enforcement. So if you were no longer enforcing it, not only would you right off the bat, you don't have to spend any of that money. There's a massive chunk of money you don't spend. You could also not just not spend it. You could then make all of the money that. Off off of uh, off taxes. Like, let's say, let's say we ban alcohol today. How much money are we gonna have to spend on special units that go out and bust all of this? And not only that, how much money are you not making on every Friday when you know whether you're buying a three hundred dollar bottle of you know imported vodka or whether you you and your shithead buddies are just going out and getting some natty light or you know steel can reserve or something. But you're still you're still paying taxes and revenue and. When you put all these people in jail, there it happens again. All these people are not only not working and contributing to the economy, they right. cost money because we have them in there. They have to give them. I mean, we're not a barbaric nation. You, you got it. They have to have health care. They have to have food. They have to, you know, have these opportunities. And to go back even further, you are also contributing to just this rippling effect of of traumas that led to them doing the things they did in the first place you take them away all right now you got a a single parent household you know exactly. and, and, and what's that right. do to the kid and what's that do to the kid's kid does that kid start drinking does that kid become a prostitute and it goes yeah. on and on and on and on and it's you know you always can trace every, you know follow the almighty dollar you can always find the root of it but what i said earlier is like it doesn't have to be this i because we can always propose these idyllic like, hey, while we're at it, why don't we ban crime? Like, you know, why don't we uh, why don't we make death illegal? No one can. Oh, fuck. All right. Shit. Why don't we think of that earlier? Hey, China. Sorry. Just no more. You can't. You can't do it. Sorry. You get no more war. It's we just re- orders came down. I, you know, I don't call the shots like, it, you know, it's so that doesn't work. But it could be a realistic thing. It could be, hey, like we're not doing this anymore. And all you fucking you, you alpha, you know. You, you corporate hawks, you guys, you guys can go make a fucking killing. You go make a slaughtering. Everyone that's that's lobbying to keep uh, pot illegal, you know, all these private prisons, like, dude, the same massive corporations that fund this stuff, like, dude, the, you can still make your... Fuck! Build rehab centers! Those sure. can still be private, you know? Why not? Yeah. Shit, make it whatever, you know? Rehab X, whatever. Make a private, you know? Let the, let the market take care of it. You can still make a slaughtering. Like, so it's and the reason I say that isn't because it's like I think that's the best the best way it's just the most realistic way if you right. if tell everyone hey you can still make a fucking killing it's you know because 
when you're at that like you said that that level of people that control these massive markets and they give the politicians the marching orders they don't listen to hey it would be really nice if we stopped doing cool all right shut up all right right you know it's it's a comedian duncan trussell said hey uh, gandhi wrote hitler a really nice letter in world war ii and it said stop this madness and he goes you know what ended world war ii it wasn't a flowery letter letter it was the white hot flash of atomic death he's like that's yeah. the language the world speaks the language the world would speak or these people in power is hey you you can fucking well what, what what'd you make in quarter three last year you can double that you can triple that not only that you could put out this entire pr phase look what we're doing for the america like it's it's a win-win-win and it 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 it, it yeah in but you wonder why isn't that happening is what what what's your take why isn't that happening uh, a couple major reasons uh in general the human species just does not like change yeah and the older we get, the even the more we become that way. And I'm not talking about myself because I actually <clears throat> I've conditioned myself to try to embrace change because it's going to happen regardless, yeah. most likely. But people don't like change, and then people have also been conditioned to believe in a certain manner. So if we've been been conditioned to believe this certain set of politicians, right, and and hang on every word that they say, we're never going to engage in critical thinking. Yeah. Because right now I'm thinking this politician who I see as a king, who I see as my master, yeah. he says to think this way. So I'm going to think this way. Yeah. Nobody engages in critical thinking anymore or very few people and think to actually think, wait a minute, is this policy good? Is it going to benefit me? Is it going to benefit society? Is it going to be a good change for everybody involved in the future and future generations? No, but hardly anybody thinks that way. Yeah. They think, oh, this godlike politician's telling me to think this way boom i'm gonna think that way. yeah and it's just it's it's outrageous and, and it and it's it's uh i think we're indoctrinated indoctrinated to some extent to think that way from the time we're kids yeah. we're taught to not question authority yeah. Are we? yeah we're taught your parents say something do what the heck they say don't talk back teachers say something don't question don't talk back uh, anybody in authority coaches whatever uh ministers uh, preachers we never talk back. Yeah. And then we become adults and some of us maintain that mentality and other others of us, like like myself, possibly you, are like, you know what? F that dude. Yeah. I'm interested in everything that comes my way now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's you're right. It it does yeah, it's and but and I think that comes with People watching this podcast are going to be like, dude, you had a police officer on. You guys, you guys are, I was waiting for cop stories. You guys are diving off into the problems of the world. Fuck it. That's where we're going. It's, um, it's, but it seems like that's where, that's where the, the, the two party system really has a, a vice grip on, on the balls of, of independent thought. Because my, myself included, I'm 29. I've, I've voted in two elections, but, Life was in the gutter three years ago. Was not in the, I could barely take care of myself. Um, but it's, it's oh, it's not just about you know you vote for who you want. But there's so much. There's so much. The other side is wrong. Like let's get I, let's prove it's very 
and it's so easy for me to sit back and oh you guys are childish like because it's always easy to shit on at something without offering a solution but so much of it is just it's very sports like my guy won my guy won Kay did something I don't like your guy sucks you know I'm from New England. I don't. I don't watch a lot of sports, but still, even that. Tom Brady, six Super Bowl rings. Maybe he deflated some, but whatever. Six Super Bowl rings. Yeah, but Spike. It doesn't matter. Six Super Bowl rings. Your guy sucks, and it's. But I'm not critically going. Well, has what else is he doing? You know, uh, one of the page. You know, one of the Patriots went to jail for murder. You're not bringing that up, Tommy. Yeah, yeah, but whatever. You guys suck. You can't win a Super. You know, and it's. You're very. You're not. You don't think critically, you know. Um, I would definitely say I'm, I'm. I lean more right, but it it always, and I would say you know, some of my family members, extended family members at least, but it, it's, no one ever like there's, no one bats an eye at at Trump, uh, banning bump stocks or red flag laws, and it's like wait, guys, if 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 Obama did that, you would, there would be. There would be this is an attack on our constitution, like just the traditional kind of right stuff, and it's, but it's just Trump can do it, and it's it kind of you know it goes right under the radar. Well, that, that was Trump, and you know it's, who knows? Maybe that's the lesser of two evils. But like, there's no. Well, hold on. How come we can't hold him accountable? Okay, he's doing a lot of great shit for the economy. I personally like him, but what the fuck is that? What's this? What's this red flag law shit? What's this bump law, uh, bump stock shit? What? You're, you're signing you mean just just over New Year's in the NDAA the Nas- National Defense Authorization Act there was at the last minute there's the there was just kind of slid in there and lots of money for gun control studies wait what what the fuck was that like anyone else does that you, any anyone on the left does that we're marching in the fucking streets with our flags Trump does it and it, it just kind of gets it, it slides under the ra- like so it seems when it's because we're so focused on gotta beat the other side we are better than you that there's no there's no third party that says hey i'm also for a strong economy but i'm not doing that gun law shit there's no outlet for a third there's no there's no off-ramp that you can you can slide that way and go you know it's so it, it yeah there's no because once you start saying something like that you 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 run the risk of night are you going to be outcast by your side with you know your friends your oh what are you a liberal now or what you know if you're on the left and you know well hey i don't think closed borders are that bad of an idea oh one of my friends is a legal immigrant from mexico super far left literally was an intern for the obama administration i did a podcast with him and he was like (laughs) he said he said that and he's like i will be crucified by members of the literal party he worked for that for saying that because there's no room for this this middle ground and it, so it almost seems like if you can just control that that polarity you can kind of control everything it, that's how it's been designed in my opinion yes yes but, it's very easy to keep it sorry go 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 on there, there's hardly a difference between corporate democrats and traditional Republicans. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, in my opinion, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Why do you think they're trying to? Why do you think the uh, corporate Dems right now are trying to? They're hoping and praying and taking every step they can to prevent Bernie from getting the nomination. Yes. Yes. That's the last guy they want. Yeah. And that's exactly right because he's on. He's not on board with what I call fascism, which yeah. is what Republicans have embraced, corporate Democrats have embraced. My 
I mean, I understand. I believe in a free economy, but not if not this, the CEOs of all these big Fortune 500s do not get to make all the rules. Yeah. Because all they're going to do is make the rules in favor of themselves. Yes. Right. Yes. Not looking out for anybody else. That's why we're supposed to have representation in Washington. Yes. To look out for the little guy like me. You know, it just doesn't happen very often. No, it's and yeah, and the and the funny thing is, is not funny, but what people don't understand is like. You know, it's we can't have socialism. We got to have the super free. But no one understands is at the level of defense contractors, it's pure fucking socialism. Oh, yeah. When we hit fighter jets, new tanks, spy satellites, tank bailouts, auto industry bailouts. Yes. It's farmer bailouts. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's no one bats. That's it's not only is that like, okay, well, it's not totally free. No, it's it's the complete opposite. But it's almost like because it's with F-22 Raptors and Apaches and M1 Abrams tanks, there's almost this sort of like, ah, well, you know, it's, you know, it's, ah, it's just like, well, what, what do you mean, rah? It's, you know, it's to get, to get, so for instance, for the, like, the F-22 or the YF-23, there's, to do these things, everyone, they all get this sort of guaranteed you're going to get some money. And whoever wins the contracts, they still have to chop up pieces of it and say, okay, Okay, Lockheed Martin, you won this. Northrop Grumman's going to produce the wheels. Raytheon's going to do the cockpit. Uh, General Atomics, they're going to do the uh, they're going to do the guns. And it's that doesn't happen anywhere else. Anywhere else, it's hey, they won. Free market decided. But with them, it's it's oh well, you know. We, and what's the logic? Well, we can't have just one company winning and all the others failing. And it's like, but hey, can't apply that to the American person. You got to apply it to the huge defense corporations, but you can't apply it to the American. So it's, I don't know. It, so if it seems so logical that they these drugs go completely backwards, that these drugs should be legal and regulated, mm-hmm. and and it's not being done, even when they're. I mean, they're not stupid. If I can come to the conclusion, if you and I can sit here bullshit and say, hey, you could make money off of it, then they've realized that, and they've realized that decades ago. Then why isn't it happening? It tinfoil hat it almost seems like it's because it's an easier way to keep everyone divided to keep to keep us in a state of turmoil to keep us bickering about shit that doesn't matter what do you what do you think about that it it could be that as well i think to some extent uh you know i mentioned earlier that a lot of people don't like change i think what they're thinking is that also if if, if that happened it would open up the market a little bit and they'd be afraid that they won't be able to charge what they charge right now for their limited supply yeah. since it would open up the market a little yeah. bit. So I, I think that's a little bit of it, of it as well. Um, again, uh, it, it's, it's probably going to be the way it is for, for many, many decades until people finally wake up and realize this system is just flat out unsustainable. Unless you want higher taxes and you enjoy higher taxes, it's unsustainable. Yeah. And so... How do you feel about the idea that <clears throat> legalizing it would also, it would, it would, um, what word am I looking for? It would starve the cartels, it would starve cartels in Mexico of, of funding. How, what, how do you, how accurate do you, is that, is that just my idyllic view or, cause the drugs get in, money's being made. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely get in. And they'll always be able to get in. I don't care how many walls you build. And and I'm actually, you know, I'm not opposed to a wall. Go yeah. ahead and build a wall. Yeah. That's fine. But the majority on the left are not opposed to to 
Well, I would say they're opposed to a wall. They're not an open borders like has been described. Yeah, yeah. They're about legal immigration. Yeah. And, and yeah, they're saying, come on in, but let's all do it legally. They're yeah. not just saying, open the borders and come on in, everybody. Yeah. Um, I think regardless, drugs are going to make it across the border. I think that's always something we're going to have to contend with. And I think even when, even, I should, yeah, when, when drugs do get legalized to the point where they're taxed and regulated at every single level, I think we'll still have drugs coming across the border. Yeah. Only reason I say that is because the, people will be able to buy those drugs from across the border at a cheaper cost. Yeah. Or we get them legally. Yeah. So yeah, it'll, that's, that's it'll be reduced and the amount will be mitigated, but they'll still be coming across. Yeah. Now, what do you think? What do you think about and this is an idea I've, I, I was about to say, what do you think about the idea? But I realize it's not the idea. It's an idea I've talked about a couple times. So now I'm just accepting it as an idea. Okay. What do you think of the, an idea that that fentanyl is because a lot of fentanyl comes from China? I look at I'm looking at that as an unorthodox form of warfare. You know, we can't take on the U.S. military. So why don't we hit them somewhere else? You know, it's an it's an unorthodox form of warfare. It's like sometimes dropping bombs is the best way. Sometimes, like all the radio stations the CIA set up in the Eastern Bloc nations in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, sometimes uh, ham radio or some pro-American pamphlets will do a lot more damage than than bombs. It's sure. um, so I'm just looking at it as like, you know, warfare. It's all bets are off what you know and you're the you're the China's still a huge military doesn't hold a fucking candle to the US what what better way than why don't we why don't we why don't we slip some shit across the border you kill people you got people addicted you're, you're ruining you're ruining lives which has a ripple effect you have people like yourself who have to enforce it and could become disillusioned with it. You're pumping up more. You're pumping more people into the prison systems. You're you're doing all of this, but is that not, albeit you know, not as effective or as quick as a thermonuclear warhead? But is that not a way to? It's like releasing termites. Like it's sure. it's, it's. Do you think that there's any validity to that idea? Do you think that's a Tommy that's think, a conspiracy uh, theory? I think it, it is a thought probably among a small fraction of those in charge in China. But like anything else that makes the world go round, I think the ultimate motivator is that green, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. Anywhere Just, somebody can try and make money, that's what they're doing. I think yeah. that's everybody's primary motivator yeah, sure. in, uh, in shipping drugs across. Yeah. That, you know, what you're describing takes a little bit of thought, and I've never looked at it that way, but it's certainly... It certainly sounds interesting, and it, I wouldn't put it past somebody. Yeah, but the thing is, is so the end motivator behind that, it could still be the the greenbacks. It could sure. be it could be the long con. Let's let's uh you know Trump slapping these tariffs on. I'm speaking as I'm speaking as China, He's slapping these tariffs on us. We're not or these trade deals. We're not uh we're not milking the world dry like we normally can. What's the long term? Okay, it might take 10 years, it might take 30 years, but what if we start sowing the seeds of demise now? Fast forward, let's say the opioid epidemic keeps 
so the drug war, the drug war started, and it's the drug war, and we're going to win the war on drugs. What Nixon say? The public enemy number one is drug use. Well, here we are in 2020. Okay, it's been a long time. It's still going. The opioid epidemic might not just go away. As hey, remember the opioid epidemic? It might be. Man, can you believe we're still on the opioid epidemic? It's 2040. You know. Sure. It could very well. And so, and what would the long con be? Well, if you can knock out one power, that's that's big greenbacks. That's not money off. That's not money off a shipment of drugs. That's that's the money you get from now. Now you're the big swinging dick in the world. You're China. You're the superpower. That's that's trillions of dollars of greenbacks. It's it's granted long con. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Maybe I'm fucking giving them ideas. Maybe I'm going to get a visit from the FBI. Hey, motherfucker, shut up. <laughs> but uh, but I don't know. It's it seems like. It seems like that, that could be a possibility. It's, I don't know. What do you think about, I believe Denver has, uh, I believe they've decriminalized psilocybin, magic mushrooms. It's recently. Okay. What What effect is, is that having? Let me tell you, man. We, as officers, even when I work vice narcotics, you hardly ever ran across... <laughs> Mushrooms. Yeah. It just hard to happen. I yeah. I think for a couple of reasons. I think number one, uh, there's a number of people that use, but it's not nearly the number yeah. they use like marijuana yeah. or crack cocaine yeah. or meth or whatever. It's just not built up to that level. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's one of the reasons it had. I haven't seen really too much of an effect yeah. since they realized it, which makes all the more sense. To me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, I haven't seen a whole lot from that and. You know, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. I think most of the people doing them, I, I've I've done them a, a handful of times in my life. Yeah, you're. You know why you're not running into them? It's because they're all out in the woods, barefoot, picking flowers. <laughs> they're not. You know, they're not. They're not. Hey, mushrooms. Let's get fucked up. They're out there. Yeah, they're out there making sandwiches and knitting. And oh, isn't life beautiful? Yeah. It's. Let's. Hey, I haven't called my dad in a while. I should really rekindle my relationship with him. Oh no! What a terrible thing. It's a. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It sounds like marijuana 2.0. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Now, do you think something like that? Have so uh, somebody. I was gonna say, do you think something like that could? sow the seeds of almost it'd be the opposite of fentanyl the long con where it ruins everything do you think something like the legalization of pot or psilocybin things that generally not not for everyone but for a lot more people than alcohol definitely can have a positive effect even once the drug is worn off i've done psychedelics four times in my life haven't done them in four years once a year for four years 13 14 2013 14 15 16 Okay. Each uh, each experience was about five six hours, so total okay. hasn't even been a full day. Uh, maybe twenty four hours of my entire life. Those four experiences have changed my life more than any other thing in my life. Positive, wow. positively. I I was, dude. If you saw me in college. I was a pre-med student. I was accepted into medical school. I graduated from the University of Georgia in 2013. I was a I was built like you are. I was I was a I was I was jacked. I I was serious face. I 4.0. I was you know the world. I was you know I was gonna crush anyone and anything in my way. I aced everything. You know I would I'd be taking an organic chemistry class and they'd be like, well, you know, 
there was going to be a great there was going to be a curve because the average grade is a 45 but someone got a 99 so fortunately half of you need to drop the class or you're gonna have an f on you you know and that and that and i was someone that was like good you know fucking like sort out the week like i was very very ironic because i wanted to be a doctor and help people but there was definitely this like eviscerate the competition and never felt bad for anyone it was just hey if you're not doing well it's because you're weak end of story mind you grew up went to private catholic school parents loving parents loving family i've never wanted in my life but i never factored that in um when i when i finally did psychedelics the day i graduated college with my best friend up in the woods in north georgia like i said we're out there you know we're not partying we're out there barefoot playing with grass in the sun but (laughs) that i would say that not to get all hippie but I would say that softened my heart more than more than years and years and years of going to church more than and I I was throughout college I was a daily meditator I still am it's and not 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 in some zen way it keeps the anxiety and depression at bay it's a keeps the the crazy in the cage but I would I would say that that first experience yeah it's what it's what uh Timothy Leary, the famous Harvard psychologist, said, "said you can get you can get 27 years of therapy in seven hours." It's, but, but so that affected me more than anything. It's um, it's a couple months after that experience, I, I lost my oldest sibling to suicide, and, oh, and, and instead of and instead of, I think the old me, I think the old me would have, you know. Whatever. I, I think it would have really hurt, but I would have just buckled down and gone forward twice as hard. What I did after that was I I put all of my energy into into just talking to anyone I could that had that problem and just still just trying to help out. I decided I didn't want to go to medical school and I took all these study guides I had made because prep classes can cost two, three thousand dollars to get into med school. I just, I, I torrented all that shit. I just, yeah, I scanned it, made my own study guides. <laughs> I, I went on Reddit and I, and I, I put up these study guides and it was just, I wanted to get as many people into medical school as I could for no other reason than just, and I'm, this all sounds like a, a self promo, like, look how great I am. No, it was, what I'm saying is that none of this would have ever happened had I not had that experience with mushrooms. That, that is in, I have never heard that once ever so you're saying your experience with taking mushrooms essentially made you a more compassionate person i would say without a doubt in my mind wow and the the thing is is i and wish then, i, I wish I, this. yeah sorry i got it all right let's 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 make uh how many people in congress and there's 100 in the senate make a like whatever that is 435 in yeah, the yes, congress yes yes 100 in the Senate, make 535 bags of mushrooms, send it to every senator yeah. and congressman out there. Yeah. Have them take this stuff. We need more compassion in, in uh, the federal you, government. You're, you're, uh, you're Joe Rogan 2.0. I first, <laughs> I first started listening to Joe Rogan in, in 2011, but I remember one of the things I remember, and this is, mind you, to sort of on the drug war, the reason why I didn't do these for so long was I was someone that meditated and I loved bliss and inner peace and you know when I'd come out of a meditation I'd be very compassionate for like three four minutes until it wore off and then it was 
fuck you, I got to get an A. You're in my way. You're a target. That's all you are. It was just eviscerate the competition. And, but I remember I used to listen to Joe Rogan and actually I would say Joe Rogan is on par with psychedelics in terms of affecting me. He's an insidious motherfucker. <laughs> but but okay. I, I used to hear him, but it was, he would always say like psychedelics have improved his life so much. But I listened to him more because normally when I would have friends that would say you need to do psychedelics, they'd be they'd be a little overweight, they'd you know maybe a little more unkempt, and it was just, I was like that's not what I want to be. I want to be a fucking killer, and so I was just like that's what psychedelics do to you. But hearing Joe Rogan say this, and I'd be looking at him, and I'd be like, again, this is before his podcast was like huge, but it was big enough to get to me. So this was 2011, 2012. But I was like, here's this dude who at the time was already a millionaire, you know, he's this hard as fuck, you know, UFC guy. He's, you know, he, he's not, he's not this pussy. He's just, you know, he's this bald tattoo arms, just machine. And I was like, well, here's this guy saying it made him compassion, compassionate. And I remember right. but what he used to say was, uh, said, he said, we need to get all the leaders of America. We need to put him in a fucking like stadium, put him out on the field you know, play some music and give them all mushrooms and lock the doors. <laughs> and he'd be like, and he'd be like, and everyone that hears that laughs, but he'd be like, what would do it better? Because clearly we haven't figured it out yet in, right. in 235, 234, however long we've, 254, Jesus Christ, 204, however long this, the 1776, <laughs> I can't do math, um, 244, 244 years and, you know, to 10,000 BC till now, hey, we still haven't figured out peace. Clearly, right. there's got to be a different way to do it. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. Yeah, we need 535 bags of mushrooms. All those motherfuckers <laughs> got to sit in a room, you know, no live mics. Hey, we're not going to ruin your political career, but just you guys have one day off and come back. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you would. I think the world would be better for it. Absolutely. It's, this world, this this country, but not just this country, because really it's kind of a worldwide problem. Yeah. This, you know, in particular implodes, man, when we don't consider the plight of others. Yes. And we, we don't take into consideration, you know, the less fortunate in the world that may not have been lucky enough to have parents that made decent money, to, have, to, have, to be born into families that lived at above a poverty line. Yeah. To get the things you need to be successful in yeah, life to survive so, it's to survive. exactly it's yeah it's that's one thing i always think of is is i feel like i feel like the legalization of psychedelics i feel like that could be the thing that works and this is how i think it's going to happen is you know like you said big pharma doesn't like competition so even when, you know, that's why they're against T, they're not against THC as a drug. Clearly it works. They're against it because they can't copyright it or patent it. So when they come out with their own formulations, that's when you start seeing it being sold. I think what's going to happen is so, you know, psychedelics, you know, why, you, why take daily Zoloft or Wellbutrin or Effexor for the rest of your life when you could take psilocybin once a year for a couple of years and oh, you're finished. It's no, so, so so what I think is they're going to go, well, let's get our hands on that and we'll make we'll make psilocybex trademark, you know, and yeah. we can sell it. And all right. All right. Whatever. It'll be sold. But right now, 
and in college, you know, sure, you may not have a prescription or something, but during finals week, you can go on campus, take five minutes walking around. You will be able to find someone who does have a prescription to Adderall, Vyvanse, Ritalin, whatever, Concerta, Focalin, whatever. You need it, you got it. You can get it. And once finals are over, hey, you can go find anything else. You want some acid? You want some... When I finally decided to do mushrooms, it took about seven hours to find it. <laughs> to, to, to find it. To literally to find it. Um, and, I, and I wasn't even like a guy in college that did all this shit. So like a dummy like me could just navigate a couple phone numbers. And, you know, a couple hours later, I got a Ziploc bag of this weird dried up cow shit looking stuff. Like, but... It, it can happen. So what I think is going to happen is you're going to have psilocybex trademark from GlaxoSmithKline. You know, you're going to have your commercials, your side effects may include, you know, loving your neighbor and blowing it. You have all the old people holding hands running through a field of grain, you know, whatever the fuck the pharmaceutical commercial is. But so what's going to happen, though, is just like Adderall or Xanax or LSD, people are going to have prescriptions and maybe you've every friday night you've done an eight ball for the last 10 years and you want to try something new you're still just looking to get high escape problems whatever instead of you know hey instead of valium fuck it why don't i try a psilocybex it comes in a capsule and it's not from a dirty hippie it came from the orange bottle it says right aid on it it's got to be a good drug well if it only if you only need to do it one time to have the effect which i've as sure as my name's Tommy and I believe the sun's gonna rise tomorrow, I tell you, this had, that one experience had a more powerful effect than anything else in my life. I would say really only rivaled by the loss of a sibling. Sure. Like, that's it. Well, if you only need these people doing it one time, maybe, you know, senators and congressmen, uh, men and women, they're, hey, they're not saints. They're, uh, they, got, they, got their, they got their escorts. They got their... Uh, they got their uh, Dr. Feelgood getting them what they need. Oh, yeah. Well, all it takes is one of them one night. They try something else, whatever. They've got their 20-year-old girlfriend. They've got, you know, they got their, their premium CIA-shipped cocaine. Like, all they need <laughs> is, you know, their plug said, hey, try this. Well, what happens if you have someone like that try something? What happens when someone like that has the experience I had? But instead of instead of someone like me who just talks forever and you know has a podcast, what if you're in control of the fucking laws for the state of Colorado? Or what if you're bump, rubbing shoulders with the president or the you know Secretary of Defense? What happens when they get it? What happens when some Elon Musk motherfucker? I don't know. I feel like Elon's probably taking it. Um, but like what happens when some Bill Gates or Steve Jobs motherfucker gets this? It's sure. or someone that they own the biggest private prisons in the world. What happens when, when they when they trip balls one night? That's how I think you get this stuff to change. And ideally, you'd go you'd lock the doors of the Capitol building and be like, open up everyone, like, you know, you know, here comes the airplane, you're eating some of the mushrooms. <laughs> I think how it will happen is farm, big pharma getting it and it, it leaking out like that. And I think it will I think it will end up eating the machine that created it. 
that was a really long rant, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm boring you. It's you go ahead, man. Um, yeah, dude. It's fuck. So you've so you haven't so maybe we can address this. What have what effect have you seen of of legalized marijuana? Because psilocybin, it's been it's been decriminalized for too too small a time. I don't think there'd be any effects yet. But sure, aside sure. from the, you know, what we talked about, the revenue, less people in jail, blah, blah, blah. What have you seen just in general, your day-to-day experience? We used to deal with marijuana offenders on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took a lot of time and energy and a lot of resources. And if you look at your more forward-looking chiefs, your more forward-thinking chiefs, they're trying to get cops out of the equation where cops shouldn't be, mm-hmm. right? There are certain scenarios and <clears throat> what people are dealing with where cops should not be part of that equation. Yeah. So that's something mm-hmm. cops should have never been in to begin with. Yeah. So oh, guess what? We got all this. Uh, we got all this time, and we're still busy as hell. Don't get me wrong. We're still going call to call to call to call, but we can spend more time now at these calls that need our attention. Yeah. They, this human intervention yeah. to help this person problem solve and get over this hump to at least for today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're not dealing with bogus little petty offenses yeah. like marijuana possession, which would take an officer 45 minutes. Yeah. And sometimes between the contact to the issuance of the summons, it takes, takes an hour of a cop's time. Yeah. An hour. He could be dealing with some problem solve. Yeah. With, uh, you know, neighborhood disturbance yeah. or, or a business disturbance or yeah. whatever the case. So yeah. the the benefits have been fantastic of yeah. getting cops out of that equation. We should have never been in that equation to begin with. Yeah. There's other scenarios we shouldn't have anything to do with. A lot of them have to do with uh, socioeconomic c- conditions. Guess what? When somebody is suddenly homeless, they they're calling the police. There's not a whole lot the police can do about that, sadly. But you know what? There's no one else to call a lot of times. So a homeless person, especially a person with little kids that happens to be all of a sudden evicted, they're calling the police. And we're glad to respond because we need to be there for people in need. But what we're doing is we're connecting them with resources in, in human services. So at our county social services, hopefully they can get them connected with housing and a stipend, at least to get them on their feet again. But honestly, in a perfect world, there would be somebody for that person to call directly at social services before they ever get us involved. I I never, I guess, I mean, I guess it's kind of a reminder of how grateful I need to be is I never once in a million years would have thought you're homeless to call the police. But yeah, Yeah. what, what the... What the fuck else do you do? Right, right. Jesus. That's a huge, huge issue right now in Denver. And it, it is in many big cities, including probably where you're at. Uh, this this homelessness crisis is reaching unprecedented levels. We've just never seen it like this before. And uh, probably even more frustrating is that it seems like every person, every homeless person on force to contact isn't even from Colorado. They're from Nebraska, they're from Oklahoma, they're from Texas, they're from Utah, they're from North Dakota. Yeah. And I say, hey, how'd you get here, dude? What are you doing yeah, in Colorado? Yeah. They say, oh, the cops in North Dakota put me on a bus and sent me out here because they said, you guys take care of your homeless. What the fuck? <laughs> Listen, 
we got enough. We got our resources for our own homeless. Yeah. We can't house the entire country. You know what I'm saying? What the fuck? They do yes. that? They put them on buses and just get the fuck out of here? Yes. They apparently got funds in these other states. Where the fuck do they get the money for that? How come they're not putting those? How come that's not housing? Good. Good question. I don't know. What? Yeah, it's frustrating, man. Dude, what the fuck? Yeah. It's... Oh, that's why we need all these fucking politicians to take out or LSD or shrooms, man. You have all them tripping dick. No one's going to be saying, hey, take those homeless people and put them on a bus. Right. They're going to be saying, okay, how badly do we need the F-35 strike fighter? How much did that cost? $450 million a unit. Do we really need 800 of them? Who's our biggest enemy? A bunch of 70-year-old guys in Afghanistan with 50-year-old AKs <laughs> and 20-year-old sandals in a 20,000-year-old country? How they, oh, yeah. What? 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 Yeah. And it's... God damn it. Sure enough. What? what? It's the shit. I just... It's a never-ending problem, let me tell yeah. you. It's... And as much as we have a, a handful of local politicians trying to address and correct and resolve that issue, the homeless issue, it just seems to get worse. Yeah. I mean, we got buildings going up that house the homeless. Yeah. But let me give you another example of, of some things I've encountered. Yeah. And that in 1955, 1955, there were, you remember the, the, you know what psychiatric hospitals are, right? Yeah, yeah. Those used to be a big deal back then. And they were up until like Reagan's time. Yeah, Reagan, yeah. And at the time, 1955, you had 450,000 people in psychiatric hospitals. Okay. Now, these are your chronic uh, people that just cannot live by themselves. Can't function. They can't feed themselves. They can't think right. They have serious mental health problems, which requires them to live in a controlled environment, mm -hmm. such as a psychiatric hospital. Again, 450,000. In the year 2018, we got 45,000 people living in psychiatric hospitals. Now, our population hey, is don't forget, but we only have 45,000. Here's what we've been trying to do with them. I'll give you an example. I went on a call, this is about a year ago, on a welfare check to go check on this person that, without a doubt, in my mind, should be in a psychiatric hospital. So I go check on him at his house. So the city gets in this little apartment. It's in a city-owned building. It's a brand-new building, real nice building. And they say, here's your apartment. You don't have to pay any rent, but, you know, hopefully you will have, we'll get you a job. You can maintain the job and at least take care of your, your daily living expenses, like food and things of that nature. So apparently, I was talking to a social worker. Apparently, he does well for about the first few months, right? Okay. And then he all of a sudden stops contacting her, quits his job. She hasn't heard from him. He won't answer the door. All right, well, let's see what's going on. I go with her up to his apartment. Knock, knock, knock. No answer. Knock, knock, knock. No answer. Get a hold of the manager. Say, hey, we want to do a welfare check on this party. We want to make sure he's okay. Open the door. Finally, he hears us opening the door. He knows we're going to come to the door, right? So he kind of freaks out. Okay, okay, I'll open the door. He opens the door. In... And I just looked in, I never went in, I wasn't gonna go in. In numerous piles throughout the line, it's a little tiny apartment, it's not very big, but in numerous piles, there's probably like 10 piles of excrement and pee. He has a bathroom right in there, but he's just crapping all over the floor. Yeah. He's still the crap, 
this is the level that I'm talking about. When yeah. somebody's at that level, yeah. where their mental health problems are that incapacitating, yeah. you're never going to get them on their own. Yeah. So eventually they'll just become homeless and be doing that stuff on the street. Yeah. This is why psychiatric hospitals were actually an okay thing at one time. And why I think the move should be made to, to put a lot of these that. people who are incapable of caring for themselves and transitioning them back into psychiatric hospitals. Yeah. That's, Some people simply cannot care for themselves. That's, yeah. And not only that, so if we have a tenth of the number of people in them, but it's been 65 years, we shouldn't. It makes me think of what that statistic you said earlier. The population grew by 25%, but the prison population grew by 100%. Bingo, bingo. That's the that's part of the equation I just didn't explain to you, and you got it on your own. You're a smart man. The, the, so uh, what? that's what, that's a part of what caused this population in prison to explode. Yeah. Sin has replaced psychiatric uh, hospitalization. That's... I don't... It's equal parts infuriating and heartbreaking. Sure. And I'm glad, Tom, you made that connection because I, I hadn't said it, and I'm, I'm wondering if people do make that connection because I explain this to yeah. officers at roll call all the time. I'm a sergeant, so yeah. I give roll call every day, and like once a week I try to do roll call training. So I'll give a scenario, explain something like I just explained, and I'll see if anybody can make that connection. And. Uh, and if they can, then, then we're kind of a step ahead to okay. see the problem for what it is. Yeah, it's... God damn it. I mean, that's... How, I mean, how does that change, though? How do we get back to that point? You know, I think if we never had those psychiatric hospitals, it would be very hard to, you know, get politicians or the American populace because we're very against any, you know government run xyz unless it's bombs and missiles we were very against we were very against that but the fact that we have had them and we did have them i feel like it would it it should be relatively easier to get back to that point sure how, how, i mean how do we get there how do we well that my belief is that and again this is a decade or two or, or off, but it possibly might happen in yours or, or my or and my lifetime. Uh, I think we will get back to that eventually. I, I, I deal with I work downtown. OK, this is where the majority of homeless congregate yeah. for some reason. Well, a lot of their services are down there as well. So I see this every day and I see the individuals that are just flat out incapable yeah. of caring for themselves. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think because this problem is exploding and getting worse and worse, I think eventually we're just going to be, we're going to, that's going to be the only option left is, for is, a, lot of, a lot of these people. It's, yeah. it's going to have to be a tipping point where you can no longer sure. ignore it. Right. That's, right. God damn, man. It's so, so when are you running for office? No, I'm, I'm not running for office. I dude. think I'm you sorry. need to. I think you need to, man. We need more fuckers like you out there. Not to call you a fucker. I mean, we need more no, fucking. <laughs> we need more. We need more fuckers like you, Tom. <laughs> no, no. I'll do the. Po I'm doing the podcast, man. This is my yeah. service. But I mean, dude, when did you start doing the podcast? By the way, December twelfth. 
Okay, good for you, man. I'm glad. Anytime I see somebody trying to build something Thanks, from man. scratch, which I assume that's what you're doing, it is. It's... I think that's freaking fantastic. I hope you blow up. Thanks, I hope man. You, uh, I hope you reach as many viewers as Joe Rogan or more. So... Dude, me, me too, man. I, it's, it's yeah, it's I, hey, man. I, I love. I, if you can't tell, I talk nonstop, and my, my yeah, you're perfect. You're yeah, perfect. My, my, my best friend I've known since. So he's a weird marker. I've known him since uh, like a month before 9-11. We were in fifth grade. But I remember okay. him, and he's the exact opposite of me. He's the most quiet, never says a word. And he and, I, and I'm just, <laughs> he's just very peaceful. I'm more of a, let's, you know, let's fucking attack and rip their heads off. And he's like, or not, you know. But, I, so, but you know, we're, we're, like, we're like an old married couple. We'll hang out and we'll just do our own thing. But I remember he's, I was hanging out with him in November. And I uh, went up to his place, and uh, we're sitting there talking, just shooting this shit. And I'm, you know, just blah, 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 blah. and I was like, man, I don't know, maybe I should do a podcast. And he looks at me and he goes, he goes, dude, you've been doing podcasts your whole life. You just you you haven't been recording them. And he was just like, he was like, I watch you talk to everyone, dude. He was like, you just you literally just need to hit record. And then he goes, and then just keep doing exactly what you're doing. He goes, don't change anything. He goes, just keep going. And I was like, all right. So I was like, fuck it. I'll try it. And uh, that's what I've been doing, man. I've just, I talk and I, and I try to meet interesting individuals like yourself. And, and yeah, I, I don't like to research. I don't like to like for it to be a candid conversation, like, sure. like, like, right. it, like it is. Um, but, but so what I was going to say is, so anyone like me can sit here and say what it should be and what it shouldn't and but ultimately i'm 29 and you know my opinion only holds so much weight and it's sure i can sit here and say i took psychedelics and it really helped me um but again that that doesn't hold too much weight okay cool you you did well in college you got into med school impressive sure people get into med school every year it's you're not you're not the best that happens every year okay you took psychedelics okay I mean, so just taking the devil's advocate, anyone could look at it and be like, okay, cool, you're less of an asshole now. Like, congratulate. Like, you didn't turn into Gandhi, you're just not an asshole anymore. <laughs> Everyone else isn't an asshole. You don't get an award for not being an asshole. You just... So, someone like me, it sure, it sounds good, and sounds good on a rant, but ultimately you turn off the podcast and it's, yeah, okay, whatever. You can back it up. You And I'm not saying the psychedelic thing. I'm just saying... You know, I can sit here and say, we need to take care of each other, blah, blah, you know, kumbaya, and let's, you know, listen to the beat again. Okay, cool, whatever. Yeah, let's, let's also ban, let's also ban uh, crime, you know? Hey, no more being mean. It's a law. Sorry, fuck. Shit, all right. Jesus, I didn't think of it that, you know, but you, you are actually out there, and you, and you can, and you're citing statistics. This is the percentage growth. This is what I'm doing. And not only that, you're not just, well, these are the, this is the studies and this is the studies and it's, hey, that sounds great on paper. No, this is what you do. You physically are there. You go to the apartment. You get the manager. You approach the gentleman in the parked car at the liquor store. You have 21 years and you're not, you know, you didn't get your badge yesterday and, you know, you, you know, hey, this is, I'm, this is how the world's going to change. You, you know what you're talking about. And you're also, you don't have, it's not this idyllic, I'm going to change. You've been in it for 21 years, all right? Mm-hmm. It's, if you're going to become, what I don't even know if there's a correct word. If there's a certain amount of hardening that's going to occur, 
I feel like it's occurred. You know, it's you're sure. you're, you're no, not you're, right. you're not yeah. wet. You're not. What's the term? Wet behind the ears. You're not. You know, you didn't you didn't join yesterday. He like, hey, I'm gonna. You know, you. So, but the fact that you, so you have that experience, and you have you know the knowledge of these statistics, and you're literally out there, seeing it. There is no one. There, who else is more equipped to to raise a voice about this? So I I, w- I wasn't I wasn't being funny. Uh, when are you run for office? No, seriously. What when when who the fuck has better experience than you? you like, I mean, clearly, like him or not, that a dude got into the White House primarily because he's not a politician. People yeah, are just like people yeah. like him or hate him. People are just like. Fuck it. Let's see what happens. Let's roll the dice. You know, I've done sure. the I've done the eight ball every Friday for twenty years. Let's do some acid. Trump was acid. People were like, "Fuck it, yeah, I'll put a tab on my tongue. Let's see what happens." Fucking, you know, <laughs> pull the cord, let it rip. Let's see what happens. Smoke them if you got yeah. them. People clearly are are sick of the uh, the Ivy League. The have never you know a hundred thousand foot view. This is how the nation should be. I read. You know, I have an education in this, and I went here, and this is how society should be. Don't approach me because I have armed guards, and I'm worth a hundred million dollars. But I know what's right for. No, dude, you're, you, you're out there, and you're seeing everything, and you're clearly down to earth enough to to talk to someone like me on a whim. It's, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I will pose the question again: When are you running for office? Well, Tommy, let me put it to you like this. Because I don't want you to get the wrong impression, dude. When I'm at work, sometimes I feel like a man on an island. Yeah. Okay? There's a there's a lot of cops that are still from that 1970s and 80s mentality, even though they just came on two years ago. Okay? It's the weirdest thing. Cop culture continues to breed and breed and breed. Okay. It's very difficult to change. Okay. All right? So cop culture is overly punitive. You know, let's write as many tickets as we can. Let's jail as many people as you can, you know, no matter how bogus the bullshit we're pulling them over for. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, put people in prison as long as we can. Let's get that extra punch in. Let's get that extra kick in. There's a lot of punitive-minded uh, individuals in police work. Okay. And, if it, and if you weren't that way coming in, because of the strong culture, you might become that way once you're in. Okay. Okay. You gotta, that's something you got to fight against. I've never, I don't think, well, I probably was gravitating towards that direction at one time a little bit, but my, there are two main reasons I did. Number one, because I'm a small government guy. And when you're acting like that as a cop, when you're overly punitive, when your attitude is let's put them all in jail and let God sort them out. Yeah. It's big government yeah. right there. Yes. That's, in your face that's overzealousness and i'm not about that at all i'm about small government Mm -hmm. second reason i think i'm not like that i came on in 98 in 1999 i was involved in my first shooting in that particular shooting tommy i can say this 21 years 20 years later that that guy did not have to die yeah there's a guy that the guy was experiencing a mental health crisis i'll I'll, I'll break it down for you real quick yeah uh, it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting in a grease pit of a diner having dinner at four in the morning. Call comes in over the radio. It's a arson investigator. He screams into the radio, please give me some help. 
there's a guy with a knife, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out this arson investigator is at this apartment because earlier the suspect had lit his apartment on fire. So now the arson comes out to do his investigation. But while the arson guy is out doing the investigation, suspect shows up again, shows him the knife, says, get the fuck out of my apartment. Yeah. The fire, the arson investigator leaves the apartment, gets on the air and calls for help. A couple of us show up. By this time, the suspect has barricaded himself inside his apartment. He has the door locked. Somebody felt he was trying to start the apartment on fire again. Door gets kicked in. It's a small apartment, one bedroom. Clear the kitchen area, clear the uh, living room area. He's not there. He's obviously most likely in the bedroom. Clear the bathroom on the way. He's not there. He's definitely in the bedroom. The bedroom's locked. Force the bedroom door open. The suspects squatted down in a closet with a knife like this. Now, again, squatted down on his ass in the closet with a knife. You can't see shit because everything's burned down. Uh, fire department came and put down, put out the uh, flames earlier, so you still got, uh, like, liquid dripping from the ceilings. Smoke, there's a little bit of smoke, but everything's black, covered in black suit. Uh, we we uh, make contact with the suspect again, squatted down with the knife. He's speaking gibberish. He's so far out there because of drugs, and I learned later on severe mental health issues Jesus. that he's literally speaking gibberish. Sir, put down the knife. He's, he's like, have you ever heard somebody speak in tongues? Yeah, That's what he's yeah, saying. yeah. So he, he won't listen. Somebody decides to pepper spray him. Now, mind you, he's, he's a threat, but he's not an imminent threat at this time. Okay. Again, he's on his ass, squatted, holding the knife like this, speaking gibberish. Yeah. That's not an imminent threat, Tommy. Okay. An imminent threat is when somebody's coming at you and they got the knife swinging it. That's imminent. Nonetheless, for whatever reason, lack of training, poor decision-making, bad culture, some cop decides, I need to pepper spray this guy. So the, if the closet's over here, he reaches around and pepper sprays him right in the face, covers his face. I'm hoping that suspect's just going to lay down and it's going to be over with. Instead, what does the suspect do? It, it ticks him off to no end. It escalates the problem. We're trying to de-escalate, which is a big deal nowadays, yeah. but it wasn't then. He, it escalated the suspect. He jumps to his feet, he starts screaming, and he starts swinging the knife. Yeah. I remember backing up. I was a rookie officer. Yeah. I'm backing up. He swings the knife once. I back up again. He swings the knife twice. I back up again. Hit and I'm thinking off. if he swings it again and keeps on coming, I'm going to shoot him. Yeah. And he did one more time, and that's when I opened up on him. Yeah. Put him on the ground, and unfortunately, he ended up expiring from his injuries. Yeah. My point is this. It did not have to get to that level. Yeah. That man did not have to die that day at all. Yeah. What we engaged in was a process of, if you want, for lack of a better term, big government. Yeah. Right. Today, 2020, the year 2020, he won't die. Yeah. At least if I were on scene, he won't die. Yeah. All right. But I would tell that officer, put that fucking pepper spray away. We're not doing that. Yeah. And we continue to talk to the subject, hopefully gain his compliance, generate his voluntary compliance, put him in custody, either arrest him if, if arrest was uh, uh, appropriate or take him to get some help if that was appropriate. Yeah. But this this was in uh, 1999. And, and de-escalation in 1999 was not stressed. As a matter of fact, the total opposite was stressed in 1999. Aggressive policing in 1999. Uh, overzealous policing, 
unfair policing, uh, sometimes uh, inappropriate policing, and uh, and it, it, luckily things are changing. Now. Yeah. So, what? If 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 you don't mind, and yeah, and if if you don't want me to ask you, we can edit this part out. Um, sure. How how has that affected you as a well, police officer and just I mean as, as as a human being? Well, it's uh, it's for the longest time. Well, let me let me back up. So when as soon as this happened, uh, you know. You get interviewed whenever you kill somebody in the line of duty. They take you to headquarters, and you have to give an interview about what you did, what your actions were, what led up, everything involved in the in the uh, critical incident. You have to you have to give this interview and, and let them know. The district attorney's office is there in case they're going to charge you with homicide. Homicide investigators are there in case they're going to because they're gathering all the facts. All the chiefs are there because they want to know what's going on. So right as soon as I gave my interview, I had an attorney with me, obviously. I said, listen, I said, I feel bad. I, I don't feel the guy should have been shot. I certainly don't feel that he deserved to die. Yeah. I said, listen, I want to write a letter to the parents of, of this guy and let him know that, 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 uh, that, I, that I'm sorry for what happened. Mm -hmm. that, that it, you know, as far as I'm, for me, for my actions, it, it, it was unavoidable. The pepper spray part was avoidable, but that wasn't me. It was another officer. I said, but for my actions, I'm sorry about what happened. I want to let him. He said, don't do it. I said, why can't I do it? He said, because you're opening up yourself to litigation. Don't send a letter to the parents. Let them be. They're going to grieve. They're going to be just fine. Just let it be. So I listened to him, unfortunately. I wish I wouldn't have, but I listened to him. So I thought about it off and on for the next 10 years. And it, it, it bugged me, but not to a great extent. Well, by the 10th year, it really started bothering me. When I'd be trying to sleep at night, I had a closet right there in my bedroom and I'd see the guy in the yeah. closet squatted down with a knife in the middle of the night. So it, it really started bothering me. So then I started trying to meditate a little bit, started studying stoicism to some extent, uh -huh. which helped a little bit. Um, and then by the 20 year mark, the 20th anniversary of this, this person dying, I said, you know what, I'm gonna fucking do it. And I found the address to to his mother. And I hold on, Tommy. Yeah. Okay. I found the address to his mother and I yeah. wrote her a letter. Yeah. And uh, I explained the circumstances. And I explained what led up to his death and I gave her every single detail and I and I told her look if you don't want to know the details then then don't read the part in the red because I had highlighted okay. the account in red ink All right. I said don't read the part in the red if you don't want to know because you know, I feel that I owe this to you that's why I'm doing it so I, I wrote her a letter and and, uh, and and she wrote back I got a letter about a month later maybe two weeks later and she thanked me for writing the letter. She was very thankful. She was very, she was very brokenhearted. She said, uh, as soon as she read the letter, she called up her husband and the rest of her children, brought them over to the house and, and read the letter to them. They cried throughout the letter, reading the letter. And she said it helped her in 20 years. It helped her finally, to some extent, have some closure. Yeah. 
Well, I I should have done that fucking a week after this happened. Yeah. Is what should have happened. I should have not listened to my attorney. I should have had a heart and said, look, I'm going to do this because I want somebody to do this for me. Yeah. I should have done it then. Yeah. Uh, but but I did it 20 years later. And I'm glad I did. And I'm glad she took it well. And uh, I hope she's doing okay to this day. Dude, that's, I think that's incredible that you did that. Dude, it, that, I mean, that's awesome. Cause it's, Thank you. It's, yeah, because otherwise it's just, yeah, he, you know, he attacked the cop. Like, you know, it's... Right. That... Yeah, it's, I mean, how do you approach that, though? It's, don't want to open yourself up to litigation, and they're, but at the same time, it's like, are we just becoming this monolithic, cold, you know, we are the law enforcement machine, end of story. It's... We have been becoming that for years, Tommy, for fucking decades. Yeah. We've we've been becoming that for decades. Yeah. Finally, at about... You know, probably around 2005 or so, you start. We have started to get these forward-thinking chiefs in that that are trying to change culture a little bit, and some of them have been very successful. Yeah. And uh, and I think that is the direction to go. We got to keep law enforcement limited government. Yeah. Law enforcement should be limited government. Yeah. We're the most visible form of government, but we should be the least intrusive form of government. In other words, we're only intruding on people's lives when we absolutely have to. Yeah. Not just because we want to cause somebody some grief, not because we want to be bullies with badges. When somebody needs our help, we're going to go help them. Yeah. And that should be our main motivation, to be of service, to be a problem solver. Not just out there putting people in jail, not just out there trying to put people in prison. Yeah. Sometimes that's a byproduct of what we do. But our motivation should be in reference to what's humane, you know, yeah. to humanity. That's that should be our motivation. Yeah. It, I mean, thank fucking God there are guys like you, though. I mean, <laughs> thank fucking. I mean, if you had someone as, as smart as you and as reflective as you I, I know for I just I know me I guess this is my fault I feel like if I was in your position and I saw all that unfold I would I would say I, I can't change any of this so I'm I'm just gonna leave law enforcement that's you know I you know I gotta I can't change this I don't want to be a part of it but you're you're still in it and you're you know it's you can do more by still being in it and acting as an example i mean how i mean that's what a lot of do a lot a lot of guys do exactly that they get so discouraged they will leave law enforcement and uh and i can't say i blame them at times because it is quite unmotivating but uh but there's a you're trying to be of service for the greater good right yeah and uh and if you want your circle of influence to do what you do, you got to stick around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't do what I'm doing and stand from a distance and say what should and shouldn't be. It's, it's. How has, how has, how did, 
in the time between the the shooting and the letter so i, I want to say how the the letter affected you how did the actual event change your policing after that um so uh so the shooting you joined the force in 1998 the shooting and, and by the way i can keep going forever i don't if, if at any point you got to go let me know but i sure. I, I, I can keep talking forever um okay. i've got a million questions yeah i always tell guests that I'm, so i don't want you to think this is me like kicking you off i always tell them i'm like when you got to go let me know because i sure. will not stop um okay so you joined you became a police officer in 1998 the shooting was in 1999 right how how did that affect did it just affect did you where am i looking for did it just affect you personally, but you, for lack of a term, just went on your merry way? It's a terrible way to say it. But I, or did you, did you incorporate change into how you, uh, I guess, behaved? And and I don't I, that I don't want that to, that sounds terrible. No, did, I, I did, see what you're saying. Okay, though, right? I, I don't want this to come out as some like you know, penalizing way. No, like how did that how did that affect you? How did that did you? were you more on edge because it's like okay everyone's just a pepper spray away from from losing it were there certain officers that you didn't want to be with because it was like this guy escalates right um so exactly it, it made me more sensitive to what's going on around me in terms of other officers see in police work again i touched on culture earlier you're taught to trust your partner, which you should trust your partners, right? Sure. They're supposed to protect you, you're supposed to protect them. But the, there's a difference between that and actually trusting everybody's judgment in terms of other officers around you, right? Somebody needs to take the lead. So so when I would have kind of uh, hairy situations afterwards, rapidly evolving incidents that had a d high degree of danger after that, I would make sure I took the lead. And if somebody was doing something that I disagreed with, I would make sure I intervened. Yeah. Because I did not yeah. want to see the same sort of outcome as happened in this other scenario where, where I was a rookie officer. I, I didn't take the lead and I should have. Yeah. I really should have, but I, I didn't feel it was my spot because, you know, I'm, I'm the new guy at that yeah. point. Yeah. So I did. But in retrospect, I, without a doubt, I should have. So yeah. I, I think, I think the way I was raised, because my parents, you know, had always taught us manners as kids, had always taught us to consider the less fortunate and, and think about other people and be considerate. I think that made me, it gave me a good base to be a police officer. But I think that experience taught me a little more about awareness yeah. and those around me. Now, were there, were there any scenarios after that where... <clears throat> You you did practice de-escalation, but the situation still escalated, where it was, hey, okay, this, it'll maybe, again, for lack of a better, I need to find out a better way to say for lack of a better term, but it, where something escalated, it almost seemed like, okay, maybe this one was just fate. Let's say, for example, the guy's not pepper sprayed, but it's, he gets, uh, let's say the exact same thing happens next week. Same scenario, same whatever, deja vu. No one pepper sprays him, but he still gets up and starts swinging the knife at you. Were there anything where, is there anything where it was like, he did have to die? 
Is there anything yeah. where it's he, you know, what, and whether it's malicious, whether it's that's a bad guy that was out to hurt, or whether it's he's a mentally ill person and knowing the big picture he didn't have to die, but what he was doing then, he was not, uh, he was not pushed, he was not egged on in this situation, and he's still, uh, it's unfortunate, but ultimately it came down to his life or that the life of an officer and it's you you know you're gonna have self uh self protection you're not gonna you're not gonna sit there and let yourself be you know hit by a machete or something sure, sure. Any- so so a lot of so i think it's important to put things in perspective and recognize when we're contacting people that they're a lot of times going to be at their worst so yeah. we're it's because a lot of times we're contacting one or two people, right? The victim or the suspect, yeah. right? So victims a lot of times are injured, uh, have some uh, uh, physically injured, <clears throat> sometimes very psychologically harmed. Uh, they've just been through something traumatic, whatever that might be, a domestic situation or a victim of a robbery, sex assault, whatever the case. So they're going to be tra- traumatized by the time we get there a lot of times. And then the suspect. Sometimes it's a suspect involved in a victimless crime. They're just having a mental breakdown, let's say, like yeah. this guy yeah. kind of was. Either way, we're taught, and again, it's part of the culture, to approach everything with caution. Well, if we go back to the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even today to some extent, there were a lot of classes going on, a lot of uh, officer safety classes that ex-cops or current cops would travel around the country giving these classes and they they would they would all they'd all be talking about officer safety so it'd be some aspect of officer safety but the base baseline was officer safety that's what the class is well let me tell you what these these classes actually taught and the culture they created they actually created a culture of officer paranoia so these classes taught you to be freaking paranoid thinking everybody was out to kill you. There are no victims. You got to watch your back at all times. Now, don't get me wrong. To some degree, they're right. Of yeah. course, there are people that hate cops. Of course, there are people out there that want to kill you. But thankfully, at least in the United States, not everybody does. As a matter of fact, it's just a small percentage that actually want to kill you in the United States. Yeah. This is what happened throughout these, these classes in this culture of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They taught cops to be paranoid. I'm not paranoid. Tommy, paranoia is a form of mental slavery, in my yeah, opinion, yeah. right? How are you going to be happy if you're paranoid thinking everybody's going to be killing you all the time? Yeah. No, what I practice is called situational awareness. I'm aware of my surroundings. I'm aware of this guy that could kill me, that might want to kill me, but I'm not going to be paranoid that he's going to kill me. I'm aware that I'm watching his hands. I'm seeing what he's doing. I'm treating him with respect. If he does something kind of hinky, I'll be ready. But the problem is officers operate at paranoia instead of situational awareness. So then when you operate at paranoia, you treat people like crap. You shoot people when they don't have to be shot. You use force when you don't have to. You use excessive force instead of reasonable force. You get what I'm saying? Again, a reflection of big government coming down on the average person. Um, If you fast forward... From 1999 to uh, July the 4th, 2005, it was 2 in the morning. I was working off duty at a nightclub. This is what cops do. We moonlight at nightclubs. 
because it's it's easy money and it's yeah. good money. And yeah. We want to take our families on vacation once in a while, yeah. right? Yeah. So I was moonlighted at the nightclub, and it's it's about actually it's like one forty-five. We've kicked everybody out the bar. We're getting ready to go home. Somebody runs back in the bar, says, "Officer, officer, they're shooting people outside." Okay. That uh, doesn't sound good. Let me get my gun out and walk yeah. outside. There's two gang members across the street from each other. They're firing shots at each other. Jesus Christ. You can't make out that well. You can make out, you know what muzzle flash is? Yeah, 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 yeah. The bright light from a gun, yeah. Exactly. You can make out the muzzle flash, but you can't really make out. You can see the two guys on the left. There are two guys on my left. There's, I think, one guy on my right. There might have been two, but you couldn't see them. They were in the shadows. So I get my gun out. I start walking towards him. I'm approaching him. I'm giving them verbal directions. Drop the gun. Police, police, drop the gun. I'm in full uniform. Yeah. The, the two guys on my left take off running. They're at it. The guy on my right, he's crouched down. He all of a sudden starts to stand up, and he's looking right at me. We're making eye contact. He knows it's a cop. He sees my badge, but he's not dropping the gun. Sir, drop the weapon. I'm young. Drop the weapon. Drop the gun. Police, drop the gun. He's still not dropping the gun. I'm walking towards him. Finally, he decides to fully face me and start raising the gun. All right, so at this point, talking is over. So I have to take a couple, I take three shots at him. But again, I'm like 25 yards away and I'm walking. Uh, one shot hits his big toe, blows off his big toe. The other shot missed and the other shot hit him in the calf and went through and through, but it put him on the ground. Yeah. In a situation like that, Tommy, I had done the talking that needed to be yeah. done. I had advised him I was the police. Yeah. I had instructed him to drop the gun. Yeah. He didn't listen. He saw me in full uniform because I was under a big street light. Yeah. It's not like he didn't know. Yeah. At that point, there is a time where talking has to be over with in order for you to you know, survive. And, and Yeah. Yeah. So. Jesus. Yeah. So that was 05 and... Luckily, I haven't been in a shooting since. <laughs> Thank God, yeah, yeah. Thank God. It's, I'd, I'd, I'd be a little concerned if you were, uh, if you were uh, sad that you hadn't been in a shooting since. I haven't seen any action yet. I'd be like, Jesus Christ, dude. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so what happens in a situation like that? So he's, do you, do you call paramedics or do you call for backup? Oh, yeah. What's the first? I mean, but I mean, milliseconds matter at that point. Sure. And I don't necessarily mean for him. I mean for you. So are you immediately, are you, are you, okay, he's down, call for help? Or are you still, it's first and foremost, you know, are, do you approach him? What do you do? Do you, do you make sure he doesn't have his gun? Or do you go over and do you shoot again? Do you neutral? I don't know. I'm asking you. I don't know. Well, Tommy, actually, it, it does matter for him, too. We have an obligation yes. to, to, to human life and salvage human yes. life, even if we're the ones that cause yes. the injuries. So uh, so I, I still have my gun out after I shoot him. He goes down. I walk towards him. I got my gun in one hand. I get on the radio. I give my call sign. I let him know, you know, shots have been fired, subjects down. Let me get an ambulance. Code 10, meaning lights and siren. Uh, he's on the ground. He had dropped the gun at that point. I pick it up, put it in the small of my back. Put him in handcuffs, advise him to stay still, that the ambulance is on the way. And uh, at that point, it's a bunch of officers coming in to help secure the scene. Yeah. And then from there, it's just downtown again, interviewed by homicide, yeah. interviewed by the prosecutor, and and uh, investigation ensues. It's, it's pretty, uh, it's a stressful time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would, 
I would imagine it. Yeah, I. Yeah, when I said when I said it, it doesn't matter for him, I meant more of in that moment. I w- I know for me, I would be yes, call an ambulance. But when I said not necessarily for him, I meant you're still making sure. This is what I should should have said. First, you're making sure he doesn't have the gun. Then, yes, call paramedics. Is 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 that a priority? Is it, is that the first you approach and before I call before I hey let's get some help? Is it still is this guy down now? When that happens, are you thinking about the other two guys? I had seen them run off, but they stood there. They're in the back of my mind, without a doubt. Yeah. But if I saw him run off. I visually saw him, and then I heard a car take off squealing their tires. Okay. So I kind of put two and two together and surmised that most likely they're not on scene. But yeah, I was aware of their general yeah. area. Yeah. God damn, man. It's yeah. It was. It's, it was stressful. Yeah. It's. So. What. What it. What do I do to make sure that I'm never? And obviously, the you know the primary would be like, all right, Tom, it's pretty simple. Uh, don't pull a gun on a cop. It's you know, it's if you can figure that one out, you can you can you know, you're probably pretty good. But just let's say, for whatever. Okay, so for instance, on November first, two thousand thirteen, I interviewed at USC Keck School of Medicine in downtown Los Angeles. Flew in the okay. night before, flew out the next day only time I've ever been in uh, California just my luck you look it up what happened and you go to Wikipedia November 1st 2013 what happened to LAX some guy walked in with an AR-15 killed a TSA officer first and only ever death first and only ever death at TSA yeah I uh so I finished my interview everyone's you know everyone else there is they're from L they all go to USC so they're all you know freaking out oh my god what's happening you can hear sirens and shit it's LAX that's you know that's one of the that's one of the hubs of the world. So it's there's police helicopters everywhere. They're, they got to make sure this isn't terrorism. That you know the city's shutting down. I can't get I can't get a ride back to my hotel. So I'm just like, all right, I guess I'm walking. Like I'm in a suit. I'm gonna burn, but whatever. I'm walking. My hotel is right next to LAX, and I mean like right next. So I'm walking back. It takes me like five hours to get there. It's yeah, I don't know where the hell I am. Um, yeah, it's. I think my phone died. It was just everything was just fucked. It's um, in my mind, I'm still like, okay, you know, I applied to 25 schools. I got interviewed by three, accepted by one. So again, this is the killer mentality. I'm still like, fuck it. I don't care what happened to LAX. Am I getting into this school? That's that's. I mean, that's how far gone I I needed shrooms, right? So, but but I remember walking back, and there were certain places that were blocked off. You know, there's helicopters all over the place. It's affecting global air traffic, so they're not fucking around. But I remember at one point I was walking and I, I saw the hotel I was at, and I was like, I need to walk, like I gotta go under that bridge. That's and that's where I'm gonna go because there's no one over there. And so I'm just like, it's my lucky day. Never once thinking, hey, if the, the entire, if every road I've been walking on up until this point has been full of traffic and people, and there's one road that's not, maybe it's like that for a reason. But I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking. I want to go back to my air-conditioned hotel room. I've got a, uh, I've got a molecular biology test on Monday. I got to get back. Let's okay. Let's let's go again. Killer mentality. Sure. I started walking under there, not realizing that this led it went under a bridge, but it, it went under or right next to 
LAX. Uh, so I have no idea where I am. My phone's dead. I'm, I, I'm like, okay. It had been blocked off because they weren't letting anyone in or out. So I remember walking that, and I remember just, you know, yelling. It wasn't just, sir, what do you use? I remember there were two police officers. It was just, sir, stop. And the other was hands. And I remember I just froze. And luckily, I'm sure they had probably had to do that to a number of people that day. Again, they're not sure if it's terrorism. So I remember turning around, and they, I mean, they instantly, they, you know, they didn't have hands on their hips. They were just, but I remember they were both behind the doors of their car. And it was just, and I was like, fuck. And they were just like, you can't, you know, I'm trying to talk to them. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just editing. And it's like, no. And I was just like, okay, they, they don't want to talk. Okay. That's obviously a very unique situation. But the point is, is I was in a spot where I hadn't done anything. But all of a sudden, I am now in the, the focus i'm in i am the number one thing in their mind they don't know me what what do someone like me or any person where all of a sudden you are the subject of attention i mean i freaked out but you know what if i'm what if my first instinct is oh let me show you my like my my, my phone's dead or hey here's here's my i just i got a little badge from usc i'm i'm, I'm interviewing today here's my name what if you know? What am I doing? Am I reaching for something? Is some, you know, what's the first thing that they're looking for? That I'm they're, not going to get peppered with 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 bullets. All right. So the very first thing, and see every situation is like, a little again, bit again. That's a very right? freakish scenario, but yeah no no but i get it because i we've i've been in that scenario you know and i've seen that scenario numerous times play out now that we have body worn cameras almost everything's you know ma every major department has body worn cameras so all these once previously unviewed scenarios are now viewable by you know most of america with as long as you've got a computer you yeah. can see it on youtube or wherever yeah uh, stay still dude okay stay but still, but sometimes what I'm saying, it doesn't matter. Look at the shooting of Philando Castile. I don't know if you're familiar with I'm that. Not. This occurred in a uh, suburb, suburb of Minneapolis, I believe. Philando Castile was a guy who had been pulled over and he had a CCW, a carry concealed weapon permit. So he had a permit to carry. And he he uh, gives the officer his ID, I believe. No, no, he had to give him. He, he informed the officer of that. And the officer said, well, don't reach for anything. Just let me see your ID. So then he goes to reach for his ID or his driver's license. The officer shoots him dead numerous times. Well, if you if you look at the video, Tommy, from the get-go, the officer is insanely uh, out of control. Okay. The officer is operating on pure peer, fear and panic, okay. total panic on that officer. All this, all this driver did was go to reach for his, uh, his wallet to show his ID and the officer lights him up numerous times. There's yeah. a little kid in the car, there's Philando Castillo's girlfriend in the front seat and he lights him up with like 10 shots because why? He's operating on pure fear and panic because that's what we've been, that's the culture. We've been indoctrinated to op operate on that. That is incorrect. We're not supposed to operate on that. Yeah. We're supposed to operate on logic. Yeah. We're supposed to operate on common sense and planning and tactics, yeah. not fucking fear yeah not panic. yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's it's a it's a real sign of a lack of confidence 
and a lack of experience and a lack of composure yeah. when you give in to fear to that level. Yeah. You probably shouldn't be in police work when you give in to fear to that extent. When you're screaming like a maniac as an officer, yeah. you don't belong in police work. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know if you've seen it ever, but sometimes you see officers screaming like maniacs, yeah. and I have complaints that have done it, and I've seen it on videos of officers throughout the country. When you're screaming like a maniac, you've lost all control, dude. Yeah. This is the long line of work for you. Yeah. You're going to shoot somebody that doesn't need to be shot, yeah. or you're going to hurt somebody that doesn't need to be hurt. But what I'm saying for you, Tom, yeah, is yeah. that the, the advice is this, because you never know which officer you're going to get. The well-controlled confident competent officer yourself <laughs> thank you or the maniac that operates on fear and panic you don't know what you're gonna get so just stay your butt still okay. you get officers approach you and they they want to talk to you stay still don't move your hands don't move anything until they tell you to do so okay okay and so something like that you know would it, would it have helped obviously i mean would have helped to not have that police officer but would, have, would it have helped him to say I'm, I'm put. I'm. I'm gonna reach for my pocket. My ideas. Or was he just? Hey, I gotta get. I think. I believe. If I remember, I haven't seen the video in a couple of years, but I believe he did just kind of reach for. It. He was okay. asked. Yeah. Can I, let me see your license. He goes to reach for. It. Boom, boom, boom. Numerous times. Yeah. And this was after he had told the officer, "Hey, I'm. A, I got a gun on me. I'm concealed weapons permit holder." Uh, you know. So he's trying the, to deescalate. Yeah. I know, aren't going to tell the cop, yeah. hey, I'm a concealed weapons permit holder. Yeah. Or I got, um, they're going to make it a surprise. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, bad police work on that one, man. What, what happened to that police officer? He was, I don't know if he was fired or not, but I know he, he's not with the department anymore. I, I believe he was fired. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sure you have. Have, have you seen, I don't remember where it was or when it was, I mean, it's it's a video that has, I mean, I think everyone saw. It's it's in it's in like a hotel room, and it's a cop yelling at the and the guy's drunk and he's saying like crawl. Have you seen that one where it's like so the, horrible, that is a that one is the, example of police work. That's Mesa PD. Yeah, and it's in it's a suburb of Arizona, and I can't remember the victim's name, but that cop had a troubled past and a troubled history. He yeah. should have never been a police officer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that one, and that was just like, I was like, "What the? F it, it's, it's like I, I can never, you know, no matter what happens with a police officer, it's like that was excessive use of force." I always look at it as like, "I'm not there." It's very easy for me to, you know, sit here in my air conditioned room with a nice bed, and I have food downstairs, and it's a relaxed morning, and I'm doing a podcast, and it's well. Let me tell you how things should be. He shouldn't have used excessive force. I would have shot him in the foot. I've shot a gun like twice. You know, it's very like a harumph, harumph, harumph. You know, listen to me. Um, but that was one that you saw where it was like, I feel like that guy, I feel like that guy was getting shot no matter what by that cop. Well, let me, let me give you a little background information. I don't know if you read this or not, but that particular officer, he had an AR-15, if you remember. Yeah. And that's, that's what he used to kill the guy on the ground on, on the barrel of his ar-15 you're fucked what did it say? you're exactly, fucked dude doesn't that tell you a little a little about, a bit about yeah before the even occurs i mean if you're a cop and he's got the ar-15 and he's got your fucked on it i mean again 
it's very easy to judge from a di but at what point does someone higher up in the police department say like hey bud uh, we need to have a talk what what you have your fucked written if you're in Delta Force and you are going out you don't do security you are an assassin okay yeah. you do the fucking it is understood and even then someone at that level of discipline isn't going to write that because they're not they're not they're not but that did that not come up did this guy not have and again it's terrible this is the, this is the guy you know that's the guy that he does something in it he his actions outdo the actions of a hundred thousand awesome police officers Absolutely. awesome restrained individuals who show you know extraordinary leadership and in maturity and situational awareness and tactic and tactic execution uh -huh. that that's a guy that did nothing ever come up before that or was he you said he had a troubled past did he was he ex-military did he have ptsd did or does he just should he maybe have not passed the entrance exam what what what, what leads to someone like that in that situation with a gun that says you're fucked like what led up to that it's every level you just touched on hiring training supervision somebody failed there now i'm not saying there, there's no system that's perfect yes, so of course yes. one at least one system's gonna fail yeah, right yeah perfect but storm i i can almost guarantee you that officer's direct sergeant direct supervisor his sergeant knew about it he knew what a troubled officer he was dealing with and he either avoided it or didn't address it or looked over it or I, I guarantee you didn't deal with yeah. it and one reason I say that is because again I've been in this business for a long time and I see a lot of supervisors who would rather be buddies with their subordinates than actually supervise yeah it's just easier there's a lot of cops that are not afraid of confrontation with the average Joe citizen out there but they despise confrontation with anybody they work yeah. with yeah yeah that's it's the it's the dad that would rather be the cool dad and friend rather than the one that smacks your smart ass in a place. It's, you said it. it's, um, or I mean, so okay, being devil's advocate, did he look the other way because they're understaffed and they're not, and his his already his good guys are they're being worked so much that that they might start to crack because they're put under so much pressure. So maybe it's the lesser of two evils to put a guy that's maybe not all there, maybe not qualified to be a police officer, but he's providing the extra manpower that takes a little bit of the load off the shoulders of, you know, it's, it's what the guy I talked to that was in the Israeli special forces. He said, most people are, you know, they're, they're, uh, what did he say? It was, um, like decent men put in indecent situations. It's, mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's he's he's put on and okay, let's look the other way because he's got ten good guys like you, but you've been worked so much that I mean, anyone eventually is gonna crack. You know, take someone like yourself. You give you enough uh, enough nights of not enough sleep in a row. You give you two hours of sleep a night. Okay, maybe you do well for a night, two nights. Let's uh, let's have you do ten nights of not enough sleep, ten nights of you know a guy with the knife in the closet the guy outside the nightclub you're gonna start to crack and then all of a sudden he's got 10 guys who are cracked is it better or am i just giving this guy way too much benefit of the doubt that do you get what i'm saying i still call that a failure of leadership Tommy. okay okay I, it, you still have an obligation as a supervisor 
to address whatever performance deficiencies you're observing. Yeah. Regardless of whatever. So in other words, let's let's give the let's take the example you gave. He's worked overtime X number of days in a row, and you're starting to see it's affecting his performance. Well, I get it. Overtime's nice, and guys like to work it. Guess what? For the next two weeks, you're working zero overtime, bro. Okay. That's okay. how it's going to be. Okay. Because we can't have you performing at this substandard level because we're in charge of lives sometimes. Yeah. Right? And we don't need somebody losing their life unnecessarily because you're not performing up here instead of down here. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's still a failure. So it was, okay. I know what you're saying because what you're saying is a reality. That does happen. Yeah. Nonetheless, it's a failure of leadership. Okay. Um, so let's uh, you down to do it's two or three. You down to do till uh, or I guess twelve or three where you are. I'm gonna go to two fifteen, twelve fifteen. Do another ten, or you gotta go. Did you say twelve fifteen? It, it, it's it's two. Oh, it, 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 your yeah. time twelve fifteen. Yeah, no, no, no. Hey, no, hey, James, I need you for another five hours. You know, <laughs> don't fucking move. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, no. I meant yeah, twelve fifteen your time. Then not, ten minutes. All right. Well, so let's uh. Let's try to turn this back to a let's go out on a positive note. What's the funniest shit you've seen? <laughs> this is just shit where, yeah, yeah, just you know, whether maybe it's a call, maybe it's how your buddies react to something. It's just just some shit where it's just fucking hilarious. Well, <laughs> no, I got some some stuff that's funny to me, but it might not be funny to you know people in general. F- fuck uh, that! I'll I'll laugh. <laughs> tell me. If it's if you, if you if 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 you tell a story and you know and you know we can cut, we can cut it out. I just yeah I just don't know if I want this one out there. But Let then, me then, think then, real quick. It, then hey then dude don't tell. I mean, now I'm doubly intrigued. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, and like I said, man, it's it's that's 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 one thing I tell all my guests is hey I will edit out anything you don't want and I also tell them at any point if you want the episode taken down. I'll take it down. I don't want to because it helps my channel. But at any point, you it's got to go. It's got uh, then it'll go. So I'll tell one that I think is probably just as funny. Okay. But okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Go. 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 So, so, I, so a call comes out about a house party, right? These are pretty routine calls on the weekends. Yeah. And uh, you know, a neighbor calls because hey, the neighbor's having a party and they're too loud and loud music, numerous cars, people drinking. Okay, fine. So I'm the first cop on scene, right? Knock, knock, knock. Person that opens the door. There, it's not a huge house party. It's probably ten people in there. Yeah. That big door. I said, "Listen, can I talk to you real quick? Your neighbor's concerned about what's going on here." Sure, officer, come on in. You know, surprisingly, he lets me in. He's kind of a nice guy. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. I said, "Listen." I, so I explained what the scenario is, and uh, and then out, all of a sudden, out comes two. I'm talking like eight people, but uh, there are two more people. All of a sudden, pop out of a bedroom. Yeah. And they're like half naked, yeah. right? Because the dude opens the door and he's obviously getting getting it on with his lady. Yeah. Right? And he's like, oh shit, the cops yeah. are here. I said, buddy, just get your clothes on. Come on out of here. Yes, sir, officer. I'll get my clothes. So he closes the door to get his clothes on. My partner shows up at about that time. So when my partner shows up, I'm patting the one guy down. I just want to make sure you don't have any weapons. You know, my safety and your safety. Patting him down. All of a sudden, the guy that was doing his thing with his lady comes out and he's just wearing sweatpants and I don't think he's wearing a shirt. He just put some sweatpants on. He's still a little bit excited, right? One <laughs> shows up at that time. <laughs> he says, oh, 
he, he says, oh, you, you patting him down? I said, yeah. He says, oh, let me pat that guy down. He has something on him. So he goes to go pat the guy down and he grabs, you know, and he's like, what's this? What's this? <laughs> and the guy's like, dude, I'm just having sex with you. <laughs> <laughs> my, my partner's like, oh, okay, oh, sorry, man, oh, sorry, oh, man. oh my god! So, dude, you never let him live that one down. For years, man. Yeah, you got to give him a name, man. You got to should call him Oscar <laughs> Meyer or something. <laughs> yeah, that was good, man. Oh. That was fun. Holy shit, man! Maybe he needs to. I think maybe he needs to work for the TSA. <laughs> Oh. Uh, you know you know what i don't i don't think we can top that so let's let's wrap this up with that conversation because i don't think we can top that that was you you just pulled out the ace card so i can't follow that up i can't follow up that act <laughs> oh my <laughs> jesus christ Fuck man, that guy's got a story and a half. I hope that guy I hope that guy hears this podcast one day. Yeah, no shit. Bro. Sir, if you ever hear this, email me, comment below. And uh I need I need to have you on. <laughs> Jesus Christ in heaven, man. That's fucking brilliant. Well thank you very much for coming on. <laughs> sure thing, man. My pleasure. Oh. Okay, serious face. <laughs> What the fuck was the other story if that was the one you could tell? <laughs> no, don't it's even. Good too, man. Yeah. All right, man. Well, <laughs> all right. So, hey, dude, if you're not doing if you're not doing politics, you got to do stand up or something because that was that was brilliant. <laughs> Right on, dude. I'm fucking. Jesus. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Jesus. I can't fucking keep my shit <laughs> Serious face. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. What's it's? Do we? How do we? How do? What do I put my? How do I uh, put your name in the? The t can I just say Sergeant? Can I? Yeah. What, you can what, say what do I need? To, all right, and 